Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Today is part two of the Kidney Health and the Black Community series. And joining me to address the question, why are more black people more likely to develop kidney disease and what are we doing about it, is Dr. Kate Branham. Dr. Kate is an honorary consultant nephrologist and clinical senior lecturer from South London. Dr. Kate is passionate about improving kidney care and outcomes for people of black ethnicity and her team is currently supported by Kidney Care UK to work more closely with black communities. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Dr. Kate? Hi Dee, I'm really well, thank you. Delighted to be here. And it's wonderful to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this interview, which is part two of the Black History Month series, Kidney Health and the Black Community. Now, one of the questions I get asked a lot when I share about kidney health is, why are black people more likely to get kidney disease? And this is going to be one of the questions that we're looking at today. But before we do, in the introduction, I said that you are a clinical senior lecturer and an honorary consultant nephrologist. Now, quite often when we think of the word honorary, the person isn't actually. But in your case, it means something very different. So could you please explain what it means in your case? Um, of course. So I, I promise I am a, a bona fide kidney doctor. Um, honorary in this context means that I also have a, another role, which is within the university. And because that's my main role as in research, that my NHS, my clinical role to so looking after patients is counted as honorary. But I, I promise I've done all my training and I am a kidney doctor and I do look after a lot of patients. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So I'm going to jump in with my first question. And my first question is, why are you interested in kidney disease and the black community? Well, I have been a kidney doctor now in London for well, nearly 20 years. And I've more recently taken on a role as consultant in South London. And I've been looking after a lot of people who are on dialysis, lots of them just starting dialysis. And the thing that I find so hard is seeing young people starting dialysis because we know how challenging it is, how it changes people's life. It changes their life expectancy and their quality of life substantially. And in our part of London, a lot of those people who are young starting dialysis are black. And we've got the highest proportion of people who are black on dialysis in the country at, at our centre. And I see the burden that it plays in black communities. And I feel that we've got a responsibility to do something. We need to work out why there's this massive disparity in ethnicity 
And I kind of feel very motivated because I've got skills in research that this is an important problem that needs tackling urgently. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's continue. Let's delve in more. So how common is kidney disease in black communities, not only in the UK, but globally? Um, I think that's a a really good question, Dee. And I think one that we really need more data to answer more accurately. But we do know, certainly in the US, that there's a much higher number of people on dialysis from African-American communities. But conversely, there's a lower proportion of people who've got kidney disease who are in the community, so earlier kidney disease, which to my mind tends to suggest that probably that we're not recognizing early kidney disease and not being able to step in to prevent it. Interestingly, in Africa, the rates of chronic kidney disease are probably rising because of the risk factors that tend to cause kidney disease, but they seem to be a lot lower. And I think that the reasons for kidney disease in Africa are probably a bit different still because of things like infection and potentially malnutrition contributing to development of kidney disease there. But it does seem to be lower, definitely less than 10% in the studies that have been conducted. And then then back to the UK, the overall prevalence of chronic kidney disease, we say is about 11% in the UK, it may even be a bit higher than that. And in the data that we have, it supports that it is substantially higher in black communities. But again, we don't know exactly because a lot of people haven't been tested. And in terms of the number of people that are on dialysis, 7% of our population who are on dialysis are black in the UK. And that's compared with 3% of the general population who are black. So you can see there is a massive disparity, more than twice the proportion of people in the community are represented on dialysis. So there's a mismatch and we need to change things, Dee. So why do you think that there is that mismatch? There's quite a big difference between 3 and 7%, I believe you said. So why do you think that there is that difference? I think there are lots and lots of reasons. And I think there are biological reasons. And I think there are healthcare delivery reasons. I think there are cultural reasons. But just to sort of try to unpick that a little bit, I think one of the primary reasons is probably because the risk factors for kidney disease, the causes of kidney disease in black communities are higher. So high blood pressure, diabetes, those are the big two causes of kidney disease in everybody. But we know those rates are higher in black communities. I think that there are also genetic reasons for higher rates of kidney disease in people, particularly from West African heritage, that there is, uh, we're now very interested in a gene that's been identified, that if people carry two copies of a gene, it's called apolipoprotein L1, bit of a mouthful, ApoL1. And (laughs) so if people have inherited uh, one abnormal gene from their mother and one abnormal gene from their father, if they've got two copies of this abnormal gene, it means that their kidneys are more vulnerable to developing kidney disease. The reason why we think that people are more likely to have this gene is because it can be protective against a parasite infection in in Africa called sleeping sickness. Um, So it's a good thing to have it, but only one copy, ideally. And, And obviously, when there are more things going on that can attack and insult the kidneys, that people seem to be more vulnerable. So that's a kind of really big area that we need to kind of explore in in more detail and find out new treatments and pathways to to protect the kidneys for those people with that genetic risk. And then finally, I think that there are reasons around access to care. I think sadly, we don't provide care yet in a way that black communities 
always want to engage with. I think that we don't make it particularly easy. We provide appointments on site. I think we need to look more closely at delivering more care and, and screening testing in communities to be able to make it more accessible for people to use easily in their busy lives. So you've touched on quite a lot there in terms of potential reasons why black people are, well, I believe the statistics is five times more likely to develop kidney disease. So you've touched on the number one and number two reasons being type two diabetes, number one, and hypertension, better known as high blood pressure, being the second highest which, as we know, are very prevalent in the black community. Do you think, and I have to ask the question, do you think that systemic racism also plays a part in this difference in terms of black people being more likely to develop kidney disease? I think, without a doubt, I don't have any firm evidence, obviously, because this is something that we're kind of really trying to unpick within the NHS now. But without a doubt, I think that systemic racism almost certainly does contribute. One of the important changes that has just happened is related to how we calculate kidney disease in black communities, in people of black ethnicity. Historically, we were using information from a study that was performed in the United States, so included a number of African-Americans. And African-Americans appear in these studies to have higher rates of a substance called creatinine, which is what we use to measure kidney function. Now, creatinine is a waste product from muscles, from skeletal muscles. And if you've got more muscle, you have higher creatinine levels. But if your kidneys are not working, you can also get higher creatinine levels because the kidneys aren't getting rid of the creatinine. So you can have the same level of creatinine if your kidneys aren't working as if you've got a lot of muscle. And so what was felt from these studies was that because people of African-American origin had more muscle that their creatinine was higher, therefore we needed to use an adjustment factor to actually recognise that their kidney function was better than their blood test creatinine would suggest. So this has led to different equations being developed and uh, this factor, this increment factor being used. And there have been subsequent studies that, again, have suggested that, again, with African-Americans. And what we've been doing in the UK and across the world um, have been increasing our calculations, our estimations of kidney function on the basis of this creatinine blood test by 16% if people are of black ethnicity. And recently we've done some work in the UK and lots of people have done work in Africa and certainly in France as well that suggests that this isn't appropriate to increase kidney function by 16%, that black people have very little differences in their creatinine production, so probably to do with their muscle mass and diet in Europe and in Africa and that we shouldn't be falsely increasing their kidney function by 16%. So I think that that practice is almost certainly had some race-based medicine component to it, because there are also enormous issues related to who makes a decision about who's black, people self-reporting of being black ethnicity, what happens if you have got one black parent, one white parent, how do we decide, how do we use these adjustment factors? But actually, the point is that these adjustment factors should no longer be used. And I'm so delighted 
that the national recommendations for kidney disease management, so NICE CKD guidelines have suggested we should no longer be using this and that we should be interpreting kidney function on the basis of this creatinine blood test according to the individual, regardless of their skin colour. So I really think that this is likely to make a difference in terms of improving care for black people who are at risk of kidney disease so that we can pick up kidney disease earlier, but then also for those people that have already got established kidney disease so that we can understand the severity of their kidney disease more readily. So for people who are new to what you've just described, what has been happening up until now is as a black person, if you go for a blood test where your kidney function is calculated as a percentage, just because you are black, they put an additional calculation on that, which actually increases your kidney function percentage. So the reality is, if you are at stage four kidney disease, which is the stage that I'm at, you could actually be calculated into stage three. Or if you're in stage five, which is end stage renal failure, you could be calculated as stage four, simply because you're black, not because of any other factor, which, as you can imagine, has massive implications. So if you're overestimated in terms of your kidney function, you could be delaying dialysis, transplantation. It has massive implications. So I, for one, as someone who is stage four myself, am very happy that this is going to be changed because up until now, I accepted, oh yeah, black people, we have higher creatinine, this is why. But I really do believe that health is an individual thing. And what I mean is you should be assessed and seen as an individual and your individual needs should dictate your care. So I'm very happy to hear that this is going to be scrapped and it's going to be more individualised. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But also at the same time, it saddens me because there could be potentially what hundreds, thousands of people that could be six foot under now because their care was delayed? Potentially. I mean, we'll probably never know the true answer to that. And we do know that people who are of black ethnicity are more likely to start dialysis in an unplanned way and they're less likely to have kidney transplants um, and certainly kidney transplants prior to starting dialysis as well. So there's a huge thing there. And, you know, the fact that we've potentially been overestimating their kidney function is very likely to be contributing a good amount there. I think the other thing to say, Dee, is that, you know, like you, for people who have got stage four kidney disease, for example, that by our estimations, you're suddenly losing 16% of kidney function, which can be quite a lot when you're sort of low down. But I think it's really important to emphasize that it is individualized and it's about the change within the individual that's really important once you've been diagnosed with kidney disease. So really, it's about your creatinine rising that we're worried about more than the, the creatinine level itself per se, I suppose. We would never start dialysis just on the, the basis of a creatinine level or, or a GFR, an estimated kidney function level alone. 
We do look at other parameters, other things as well, whether or not that somebody's got lots of excess fluid in their body or whether or not their blood becomes very acidic or their potassium becomes very high. So I guess just to sort of reassure people as well that, you know, they're not going to suddenly have to start dialysis, let's say, because their kidney function is actually lower than we originally thought. It's about that individual. It's about how quickly their kidney function is deteriorating and other factors as well that would mean that they need to start. But just thinking about the other end, there will be some people that we now identify as having kidney disease because we say that kidney disease is when your kidney function is less than 60%. And there'll be people that would have been previously over 60% with that 16% addition. So we're going into lots of maths here, aren't we? And, um, and that could be anxiety provoking. That could be kind of really worrying suddenly having this label. And I do recognize that. And that does sit uncomfortably with me. But conversely, I think it's also really important because we know that you've already lost a reasonable amount of kidney function before your creatinine, that marker starts to rise. And what we need to be doing is protecting people's kidneys rather than treating people's kidneys when they're almost ready to go on dialysis. So I think this really gives us an opportunity to conserve kidney function in black communities because we'll be able to pick up the problem much sooner and give treatments that we now have to prevent and protect against kidney disease. So, I mean, I'm hoping that with with these new treatments and and with the ability to detect kidney function accurately and diagnose kidney disease accurately in black communities that we may see a wave of change. So how can we bring about that change? I mean, I am very much into you are your health manager and empowering people to not just be a bystander in their care, but be an active part of their care. So how can the clinician do more and the patient do more to tackle this problem? I think one of the first hurdles that we need to overcome is raising awareness of kidney disease because kidney disease is silent until it's very advanced. A lot of people just wouldn't know until it's progressed. And one of the key findings to pick up early kidney disease is to do urine testing, to identify protein in the urine. And I am on a mission to try to improve uptake of that particular test, particularly in black communities for people who've got risk factors. So people who have got diabetes and high blood pressure, we need to get their urine tested so that we can find people that are at risk even before their kidney function starts to decline because we know that when the kidneys are starting to leak a bit of protein, they're under pressure. And you'd have thought it'd be really simple to do a urine test, but sadly it's not. Logistically, it can be difficult. You know, people forget to bring the sample or they've already peed before they come to the clinic and it's difficult to do that. Oh, the sample gets lost or it gets spilt, etc. We, we, we need to persevere, I think, and, and deliver that test. And the other thing that we're trying to do is, is raise awareness within communities to work with community leaders to raise awareness and also to offer that urine testing in people's own, the places where they go to. So trying to do it in potentially in faith-based settings, so in churches, in mosques, in shopping centres, in markets, to try to, to offer that test to people just when they're passing rather than it being um, a burden to have to go to the doctors to get the test, to get the pot, to do the sample, etc. So we're trying to sort of change the the pathway of care so that people have the opportunity to test more readily so that hopefully then we'll be able to pick it up more easily. Yes, because, I mean, you talking about urine testing. For those who are familiar with the podcast or coming new to the podcast, 
in episodes three, four, and five, the interview with renal nurse Patsy Moy, and she talked about the importance of urine tests as well, especially patients who have diabetes, the importance of having that at least yearly urine sample, because that is, as Pat says, the kidneys don't shout, you know, (laughs) and I'm aware that you can lose up to 90, 90% of your kidney function without symptoms. So this is why it is so important to have that urine test, because protein is like the kidney's way of saying, I'm in trouble. Help, 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 help. But if you don't have that urine test, which is so simple, I know a lot of people can be needle phobic and don't like tests, you know, but this is something really simple that you can just do a wee and get that tested and be empowered with knowledge that can help you in, in the future. So you mentioned about community leaders. So for a community leader, that may be listening to this podcast or somebody who might be listening to this podcast that you know may speak to their community leader. Is there a, a website where they can get information in order to start raising this awareness? Yes. So we're working with Kidney Care UK and we would be very happy to engage with anybody that's interested. So if they look at the Kidney Care UK website, there will be information available. Fantastic. The other question is, we've said that you can lose a lot of kidney function without symptoms. So how do you know if you have kidney disease? You don't. And that's why we have to do testing. And that's why people need to ask to be tested. Not everybody's going to get kidney disease, thankfully. And not everybody with blood pressure or diabetes is going to get kidney disease. But those people should be tested regularly. Not, you know, not every month, but we recommend that people with diabetes get tested every year and that people with higher blood pressure, probably less frequently, maybe every two to five years. But we need people to be asking for their urine to be tested as well. The GPs are very, very busy. Practice nurses, very, very busy. And patients need to be empowered to sort of shout out and say, I need this doing too. Obviously, it's something we should be just offering and providing. But With the best will in the world, we don't always do that. So to empower patients to have the knowledge to say, look, I need to be tested because I might need some treatment to protect me is really important. Yes, because the reality is, and, and this is my lived experience, that you can actually be losing kidney function and no one actually lets you know or tells you. In my experience, when I started and I was fortunate to have symptoms, when I went along to A&E and I was admitted because, you know, loads of crazy things were going on with me. When I was in the hospital, you know, and they were testing me for like literally seven and a half weeks trying to work out why my kidneys were failing and what was going on and et cetera, et cetera. I was actually, I don't know what the word is, surprised isn't the word I want to use, disappointed, shocked, angry, that actually when because I've been under the care of the hospital for many years. When I looked at the blood test results, my kidney function had actually been declining over a period of time. So by the time I went to A&E that day, my kidney function was, I think was halved, it was like in the 50s, and then plummeted during the time that I was in the hospital itself. And my question, you know, then and, and now was, how is it that no one 
had said anything like when my kidney function was at stage one or stage two coming to stage three why was no one saying hmm what's going on and actually doing something about it and I've actually spoken to somebody who she actually asked a question about her kidney function and found out that she's at stage three and her kidney function has been fluctuating since 2016 and her GP didn't tell her anything. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about these stories. It's not ideal at all, is it? One thing that we're we're trying to do as a, a kidney care community is to raise awareness of this rate of change in kidney function because obviously that's the key. A lot of people have reduced kidney function and it remains stable for years and years and years and they're likely to be absolutely fine. Although we do know that if you've got reduced kidney function, you are more likely to have heart attacks and strokes because we think the toxins related to the reduced kidney function and and the disease processes itself that contribute to that increased risk. But yeah, I can't give you any answers about your individual case, D, other than that I'm, I'm really sorry that that happened. But we are trying to educate other healthcare professionals to look back just because somebody's got slightly reduced kidney function. It's not okay. We need to see whether or not there's anything that we can do to protect, keep those kidneys as good as they can be. And also to look back and see what's happening, how things have deteriorated so that we can intervene just far, far, far further up the pathway. As I say, we need to be protecting rather than treating. So how can we as individuals protect ourselves, you know, what can we do to prevent kidney disease or if we have it to slow down its progression? So general lifestyle, healthy lifestyle is really good for the kidneys. The kidneys are full of tiny blood vessels and that those blood vessels are influenced and affected by all the things that we recommend for preventing heart attacks and strokes, which are all also conditions, diseases of, of blood vessels. So we do recommend that people exercise regularly, that they have a healthy diet, that they keep their weight at a healthy level, not too low, obviously, but certainly not too high. And salt. Salt is a a real enemy of the kidney specialist and the (laughs) kidney patient, because when the kidneys start to, that when their function starts to reduce, they stupidly, I say, they start to retain salt. And Salt causes the blood pressure to rise and the blood pressure rising causes more damage to the kidneys and the kidneys retain more salt and put the blood pressure up more and it's a vicious downward spiral. And I often say to patients, all these tablets are going to be almost pointless to take if you're still adding salt to your food, if you're eating, consuming processed foods that have got a lot of salt in. It just is putting so much more strain on on the kidneys and making it much harder for those protective tablets to actually have any effect. So salt is my number one, <laughs> one number one enemy. <laughs> and the thing is, I mean, when you think of salt, quite often people think of what they add to food, mm. but not realize that actually the salt that's already in food is also highly significant. I mean, one of the things that I've done in terms of looking after my kidney health was reduce my animal protein. So I'm looking at vegan and vegetarian alternatives. And there's one vegan sausage roll, and I won't name the company that they released a vegan sausage roll. And I was like, oh, lovely. Here's an alternative. Let me go for that. 
But when I looked at the salt content, I was like gobsmacked. I, I think there was something like four or six grams of salt Ooh. in this one sausage. It was really, really high. I can't remember. Please don't quote me on the amount of grams, but it was a really high number of grams yeah. in this one sausage roll. And I thought, wow, that you know, the general guidance is what, six grams per day? Obviously less for people with kidney disease. And I was like, that's probably your whole day entitlement in one sausage roll. So, you know, hidden salts are something that people really, really need to be aware of because you don't even realize there's salt in bread, there's salt in cheese. Pizza, um, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Number one enemy. Lovely pizza. Yeah. It, you know. It's about doing things in moderation, isn't it? I mean, I think that, you know, of course, kidney patients can eat pizza, but not every night. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be good for any of us. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would recommend for kidney patients in terms of, you know, looking after their kidneys? I think another challenge that we have is keeping blood pressure controlled and that is one of our mainstays of treatment to protect the kidneys because we know that high blood pressure damages the kidneys substantially and particularly in black communities and I think we're learning more as I said about this genetic condition the APOL1 condition and we think that that might be even causing blood pressure as well so it's a really sort of toxic combination that we have but being able to control blood pressure is key and that involves, yes, the salt control, but also taking medication. And I know it is really hard because you don't feel different and the medications may even make you feel worse, the blood pressure medications. But I would highly recommend to people kind of taking ownership of their blood pressure control. So getting a blood pressure device or going to their GP or local pharmacy to get it measured regularly so that they can know and be reassured that they're doing everything they can by taking their medication and getting themselves on the right medication. If their blood pressure is still too high, greater than 130 over 80, that they need to be seeking out to get more blood pressure tablets to protect them. What we're really aiming to do to get the best protection is to get yourself on the maximum amount of tablets. And I know that sounds a bit sort of paradoxical because people think, oh, the more tablets I'm on, the worst I must be getting. But actually, it's the other way. It's getting on the maximum amount that you can manage to get the best effect to protect the kidneys. Right. So I would imagine, you know, taking your blood pressure medication is important, but is it also important taking it at the same time each day, making sure you take it every single day and being consistent with it? Are all these factors that make a difference as well? Does yeah. it matter if you take it with food or not with food? Are there any other factors? All the tablets are, are slightly different. So it kind of really depends on what tablets you're on. But ideally, I think people, if they manage to take it regularly every day and it becomes a habit, taking it at the same time every day, without a doubt, helps. These blood pressure tablets often have a quite long acting so that, you know, if you've missed it within an hour or something, it's absolutely not a disaster and still really important to take. But actually just getting into a habit, to having it when you brush your teeth, for example, or you have your breakfast so that it's part of your daily life and that you don't forget. That's the key. Thank you so much, Dr. Kate, for joining me and answering my questions. We've covered so much in this interview. We've covered about the prevalence of kidney disease in the black community. We've looked at the risk factors contributing it. We've looked at how we can empower ourselves with knowledge to manage our kidney disease if we have it or prevent it if we don't. 
We've looked at the research that you've done in terms of the EGFR factors. So thank you so much for sharing your time and this valuable information with us. Thank you, Dee, because I've learned so much from talking to you and learning your perspective and understanding. And it's really going to enhance my ability to provide good care going forward and to kind of generate more information to to make sure that we tackle this problem. And I'd also quickly, if it's all right with you, just to say an enormous thank you to Kidney Care UK, who are supporting our work in the community and with ethnic minority groups to enhance kidney function testing. So we're enormously grateful to them for their support too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. The next episode in the Kidney Health and the Black Community series will be released on Monday the 18th of October. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.